Well, good morning, everyone. If you'd like to take your seats again, how are we on the volume? Is that okay? We're okay. One person can hear me. That's good. Two people can hear me. <laughs> Lovely. It's so good to be with you again. I love coming to Lewis. You've got friendly faces. And you know my rules, don't you? When I'm speaking, just be as noisy as you want to. If you want to say amen, say amen. If you want to say praise the Lord, say praise the Lord. Whatever. I, I love that interaction. In fact, I said that at one place and I had, to, I had to pause and stop because there was so much noise going on. It was, it was wonderful. Yes. So, um, those of you who've got really good memories... I came last September, September the 15th, because I looked it up, and I spoke about the kingdom being uh, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And I didn't really get the time to um, develop the joy thing. So I'm coming this morning to talk to you about joy, and that we are joy carriers. And I hope that you will uh, see that as we progress this morning. If you want to turn to Acts chapter 2, we're going to be looking at some verses from there and from uh, Psalm 16. Let me remind you um, what happened at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came, because that's when um, uh, these, these words were spoken. Among, among other things, there was an explosion of riotous joy. Now, Jesus had been crucified some weeks before. He'd been buried in the tomb. God had raised him on the third day. Forty days later, Jesus ascended to heaven. And now it was the harvest festival, the Jewish harvest festival, which they called Pentecost. It had been an emotional roller coaster for the disciples. They'd lived through history-changing events, and 120 of them were gathered and waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. Jesus had said, hadn't he, stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So the disciples were waiting for the Holy Spirit to come, and he came that morning. Can you imagine it? They'd never experienced the Holy Spirit in that way. They never knew what to expect. And he came visibly with signs and wonders and power, the Holy Spirit filled them all and they spoke in tongues and there was much joy at that time. Jesus, uh, Peter was then empowered to preach his first sermon and he stood up and preached this stonking sermon with no sermon class or practice. Um, and he was addressing the, um, the, the noise that was going on to the assembled crowd outside. And he was trying to explain to them what was happening, that these followers of Jesus, they weren't drunk on harvest hooch or Pentecost pims. This wasn't that sort of party. This was a Holy Spirit party and not a drunken brawl. So in this sermon, uh, Peter links the coming of the Holy Spirit with the prophecy of Joel, and then he uh, continues his sermon, he quotes Psalm 16. So we're going to read Acts chapter 2, and um, actually if we can read from verse 25 um, rather than verse 22. Acts 2 and verse uh, 25. For David said concerning him, that's Jesus, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, 
For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. So I want to ask a question this morning. How can we experience genuine joy in our lives without faking it? You know, being filled with joy with integrity. You know, we live in unprecedented times. I don't really need to tell you that. The last few years we've been through Brexit and COVID, political turmoil, this side of um, the, the ocean and across the way, war, extreme climate events, inflation, desperate economic times for many people, poverty like we've never seen before in this country. And some people, don't they, in, in our communities have immense fear of the future. Therefore, how can we experience joy? Because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. I believe that as followers of Jesus, we can be joy carriers, and I hope that we can see that this morning. So if you want to turn to Psalm 16, we'll look at a few, we'll look at the original that um, uh, Peter was quoting from and see the significance there and also at the Pentecost party. The first thing I want us to see is that declaration brings joy. Verse 8 in Psalm 16 says this, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh dwells secure. This psalm is thought to have been written by David when he was in, when he was on the run from Saul. If you remember the story, he was a refugee and uh, um, feared for his life at times. This psalm is called a mictum, which is a funny word, isn't it? It's a mictum. Uh, and although the meaning of that is uncertain, other psalms that have been given that name were written when uh, people were in danger, fearful, they were a prisoner or on the run. So you get the feeling that uh, you know, this psalm is actually speaking to desperate times, desperate situations. David first affirms his trust in God, as we have done in our songs this morning, and his goal to love God and live for him every day. I have set the Lord always before me, David says. I expect you set an alarm clock, unless you're retired and don't have to bother, but I expect you set your alarm clock and determined to wake up. David was determined to set God before him every day. It was his act of trust every day to look to the Lord in all things, to surrender to God, to set God before him in all things, setting his sail, to ch change the metaphor if you like, setting his sail to catch the wind of God's spirit every day. David lives with this confidence that God is with him. God is not going to leave him. That God is his refuge, his place of safety, his protection. That God will preserve him. And David expresses this as God being at his right hand. So nothing would shake him. You know, if someone is at your right hand, they are very close. If you have someone who is your right-hand man, you rely upon them in the work environment. To put it another way, it's almost like David saying, God is in my personal space, if I can say it like that. He literally is close all the time. 
And David declares this in song. His thanks are to God. He rejoices in God for being that close to him, speaking to him, giving him counsel. In verse 7 it says there, instructing him even at night. When you wake at night, what's, what's in your thinking? Sometimes it's for the loo if you're a particular age or something may have woken you. But can I encourage you, sometimes just listen. The Holy Spirit might be wanting to say something to you in the middle of the night. He might be wanting to instruct you. It may be a God moment for you and not you just waking up for some other reason. Hearing God is the way um, David was enabled to know security and steadiness in times of real danger and shaking and distress. And you know that is true for you. When you invited Jesus into your personal space, if I can say that, into your life, he came. And God is close, always will be. He's never going to leave you, however you feel and whatever circumstance you are in at the moment. In Jesus, we are sealed and kept as he lives within us. Do I hear an amen? You're awake? Excellent, thank you. Good. So it is this declaration, this speaking out, this singing out, because it's a psalm, that this truth that David has, that God is his strength and his confidence. David believed and experienced, you see, the one true God, the almighty God, the God of his fathers, the creator, the Lord, the holy one at his right hand. And he declared it. The Psalms are full of that. So let's flip to Pentecost. The disciples had been through confusing and distressing times in those early days after Jesus returned to heaven. They were nervous of the authorities, hiding from them, fearing. And suddenly, the Holy Spirit came and brought boldness and joy. Joy filled their hearts. As they worshipped and prayed together, the Holy Spirit came. And they now were living with the experience that David had spoken about. God and Jesus being at their right hand, filling them and empowering them with the Spirit. And Peter now declares this. He preaches this to them. You see, for you, the declaration of the truth that Jesus is at your right hand, that he is close, he's walking with you in every and all circumstances, including tough life experiences, every heartache, every confusing time, this declaration brings joy and strength to you. In life, even in death, we can be filled with joy. You see, it's not us working at positive thinking about it. No, it's knowing that the Father is at our right hand. He's keeping us. It's this confidence. It's this deep joy and us declaring it. Declaring truth, reading truth from the word, speaking it out, singing it out as we have this morning. When we do that, it's like we're refreshed with joy. I'm always refreshed with joy when I worship because I've sung truth. Is that your experience? You know, we're wired that way to rejoice when we hear truth. I don't understand it, but it happens. You know, Colin this morning testified to that, didn't he? As he worshipped, stress came off him. Hallelujah, that's the joy of the Lord because he was de declaring truth. Next in verse 10 then, 
we, we, see, we read these words, you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or Hades, as uh, Peter said, or let your Holy One see corruption. So declaration brings joy, but deliverance brings joy. David is saying here that the Lord cares for him not only in life, but also in death. He will not abandon me to Sheol. Now, this word Sheol uh, maybe needs a little bit of explanation. Sheol, is the, he, in Hebrew understanding, was essentially a place for the dead. Um, it can mean a deep or hollow place, an underworld, a place of silence or darkness, a place of judgment and punishment, a place where both good and bad people went, and a place of joylessness. That was their understanding. In the Old Testament, there was little explicitly written or known about the resurrection. Therefore, this psalm, this Psalm 16, points prophetically to the resurrection of Jesus and ultimately all believers. Because he says, you will not let your Holy One see corruption and decay. You will not remain in the pit of darkness. Hallelujah. You will not be abandoned. This is the promise. David is saying, the Lord is not only at my right hand, but he is also with me when I die. David is saying, my body will be put in the grave, but I won't be abandoned. I will not be left there to decay or rot. No, there is more. David was prophetically had this revelation way back then in the Psalms that the Messiah would come with the kingdom and there would be resurrection. You know, even in Jesus' day, the religious people, some of them were called Pharisees and some of them were called Sadducees. Well, the Sadducees didn't believe in a physical resurrection. And that's why they were sad, you see. <laughs> the old jokes still work, don't they? That's good to hear. So flipping back to Pentecost, Peter says, King David died and was buried in a tomb. Uh, Peter said, you can see this tomb in Jerusalem. It was there. But in the psalm, David prophetically speaks about Jesus Christ and his resurrection from the dead. God did not abandon Jesus to the grave. No, he raised him and all the disciples of Jesus had witnessed. Therefore, when we follow Jesus in the same way, we are not abandoned. No, we go to a place of rest in the presence of God. We die as the results of being old and as the results of um, the sin working out in our life. But deliverance for us is in the resurrection, the future hope that we have of a resurrected body. Amen. So, that's the declaration of truth brings us joy. Deliverance from sin and death, what Jesus has won for us, brings us joy. And the third thing here is our destiny brings joy. Can I just say, though, before I get into that, let's not be afraid of emotion. You know, as British people, we are very reserved and afraid of emotion. David was not afraid of emotion. You know, emotions are very important. You know, um, negative emotions, we have them for particular reasons. If you're, you're feeling angry or sad or frustrated or down, there's a, there's a reason for that. And we should listen to our emotions and act upon them. I don't mean going to 
an, an angry rage at everybody, but because you're feeling angry, well, why am I feeling angry? What's the reason? What's the cause? They're there for a reason. Negative emotions are, as well as positive emotions are there. We're not to stuff our emotions down. David never stuffed his emotions inside. It's not healthy um, to do that. Anyway, I'll get back on track. Little rabbit trail there. So our destiny brings joy. Psalm 16, verse 11. There's three little phrases. I just want to pick up on them, and uh, uh, then we'll be done. You make known to me the path of life, David said. David had found God to be his path. In Psalm 23, he said, he guides me in paths of righteousness. And Jesus made that incredible statement about himself, didn't he? Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. He has called you and set your feet on a path, the way of truth, the way to everlasting life. That second phrase there, in your presence there is fullness of joy. Some of you who are uh, uh, maybe my generation and older will remember a Downs song that uh, had that. It was a great song at the time. In your presence is fullness of joy. I will not sing it for you. You'll be glad to know. In God's presence is not just joy, but fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. In the Old Testament, the presence of God dwelt in the Holy of Holies. God's presence was in the tent, the tabernacle. And when the tabernacle, when the, te- when the temple was built, God's presence filled that temple. And God said to Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. That is why they carried the tent around with them all the time. And Moses' response was, if your presence will not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Moses knew the importance of God's presence being with his people. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. For us as kingdom people, where is the presence of God? It's no longer in a tent or a temple. The presence of God is within us. The presence of God is within us. Say to your neighbor, the presence of God is within you. Say to your other neighbor, the presence of God is within you. For us as kingdom people, the presence of God is within us. I find that totally amazing. And that is somehow increased when we are together, where two or three gather. When you came to faith, when you were born again, when Jesus entered your life, you received the promised seal of the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Holy Spirit came and took up residence in your life. More than that, the Trinity is inside of you. That's even more mind-boggling, isn't it? Because the Father is at one with Jesus and the Spirit. They can never be separated. They are one. You're never, ever alone. When you feel lonely... Remind yourself that you are never alone. There's always four of you in the room. You know, it's rather puzzling, isn't it, why we invite the presence of God, because he is already with us. I think it's okay to invite the presence of God, but the truth is that he is always with us, and it's like us reminding ourselves that the presence of God uh, is with us and attuning ourselves to the presence of God. Let's just take a few seconds out. Just close your eyes.
and just sense the presence of God because God is here. Just know his presence. Jesus said the kingdom of God is near. You feel his presence? Now, because we have the presence of God within us, I believe that we are carriers of his presence. And in his presence, there's fullness of joy. So guess what? You are a joy carrier. That's what I want you to take home this morning. You carry his righteousness, yes. You carry his peace, but you also carry his joy. And the joy that you carry can bring a change to atmospheres around you. The Anglicans, Al know this, um, after they have communion, they pass the peace. I don't know why we don't pass the joy around. I think that would be just as good, don't you? Pass the joy. Paul and Silas, you know, were in prison with their feet in stocks. And what were they doing at midnight? They were worshipping God. They were praising him. They were having a praise party because they were filled with joy. They were joy carriers in the prison. I'm sure the prison atmosphere that night was very different from a normal day. And if it feels like you're living in some prison, just remember that you are a joy carrier, even in a prison. Joy is consistently linked with the Holy Spirit. If you want to do a little study on uh, the word joy in the New Testament, you'll find it's consistently linked with the Holy Spirit. You know, if there's no joy in your walk uh, with God, there's something wrong. You need to lean into the Holy Spirit and find some joy. Amen? Because it's there for us. Believe that he is in you and with you and wants to strengthen you with his joy because the joy of the Lord is our? The joy of the Lord is our? Great. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Jesus, when he was talking about the kingdom, was just talking about joy all the time. Just give you a few illustrations. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a wedding feast. There's joy in weddings, isn't there? It's like a great banquet. It's like finding buried treasure. I'd be very happy if I found some buried treasure. It's like finding an expensive pearl. The kingdom turns thieves into givers, haters into lovers, lepers into whole people. The kingdom restores and brings joy, much joy, fullness of joy in the Holy Spirit. Martin Luther said, the gospel is nothing less than laughter and joy. Laughter and joy. We're allowed to laugh. We're allowed to laugh in church. Al doesn't mind. Do you? <laughs> um, I had a pastor friend, and he used to say, I think some Christians are baptized in vinegar because they're so sour instead of being baptized in the Spirit, which brings joy. And that last little phrase, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now, Kings Lewis, you're very well taught, I know, here. In the book of Ephesians, where does Paul say that we are seated? In heavenly places. We are, you are seated in Christ in heavenly places. Therefore, joy is always close by. It's part of your inheritance. It's part of your destiny to be joy-filled. You have joy in the Holy Spirit because you're forgiven, you are righteous in the Father's eyes, you're a child of God. The Father loves you 
with an everlasting and a pure and a holy love. You have a hope of an unshakable kingdom in the future to share with other people. You're God's children. Joy in the Spirit, you know, can never be removed or destroyed or quenched permanently from your life. Do you realize that? Joy cannot be removed, destroyed, or quenched permanently from your life. On a really practical note here, what do you do if you've lost your peace and your joy? You can't lose your righteousness, okay? That's a, that's a done deal. But somehow we can lose our peace, can't we, at times, and we can lose our joy. If you lose your keys, your card, your phone, or your glasses, like I very often do, you retrace your steps to find it, don't you? So if you lose your peace, if you lose your joy, retrace your steps, as it were, in your mind and find it again. Lean into the Holy Spirit and find it again. Gain that heavenly perspective and find your joy again. Hebrews 1 verse 9 says, Your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you. Pouring out the oil of joy upon you. Say to your neighbor, joy has been poured out in your life. Jesus said that our joy will overflow like a well bubbling up from within us. You know, as God's children, we are joy carriers. Children naturally carry joy, don't they? They were joyfully dancing this morning. I loved seeing them. Children are natural carriers of joy, but we get a bit serious when we get old. Older, even. As children of God, we are joy carriers. You know, I don't mind being accused of being a a happy clappy if I'm delighting in God, if I'm rejoicing in Jesus and expressing my love for him because we are to reflect that kingdom of joy. We are to reflect his presence. Your destiny is a beautiful inheritance of joy. So I want to finish with a quote, and I rather like this quote. Who knew that following Jesus could be such fun? Certainly this is not the picture we get from boring religion, but it's the reality of grace. Grace gives us joy. Jesus is grace, Jesus is joy. That's what we have. Followers of Jesus ought to be celebrating constantly. When we enjoy the Lord and his many good gifts, we are painting a prophetic picture of the kingdom of God. To come. I love that. When we express joy, we are expressing the kingdom that is to come. Because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And you, King's Church, are his joy carriers. Amen. Amen. Can I invite Mike and the team to come up again? I'd like us to, to uh, just spend a, just a couple of minutes just praying. And I want to pray for you. Just pray for a release of joy. You're allowed to laugh in church. You're allowed to laugh over coffee, but you're allowed to laugh in worship as well. Okay? Rich won't mind. I know he's on sabbatical, but he won't mind if you laugh and enjoy God. Amen? Good, good. (laughs) This is probably heretical, you know. But you know Jesus talked about many rooms. He was going to prepare a place where there was... Many rooms. Uh, I've got in my mind, you know, a picture for the silent room where people want to be silent and another room um, where people want to be holy. 
and another room where people want to be righteously joyful, you know. I wonder what room you would choose. Now, that is total heresy. But the kingdom of God is righteousness. It is holiness. It is peace. It is silence. But it's also joy. Let me pray for you. I found this prayer yesterday, and uh, sometimes I like set prayers. Maybe I've got a bit of Anglican in me. <laughs> Not really. Um, <laughs> let me just pray this over you. Come, Holy Spirit, send the heavenly radiance of your light. Cleanse that which is unclean. Water that which is dry. Heal that which is wounded. Bends that which is inflexible. Fire that which is chilled. Correct what has gone astray. And grant the deliverance of salvation. Grant eternal joy. Can we just stand and uh, we'll sing in a moment. But receive joy this morning. I've preached it. You, you get what you preach, okay? So I'm expecting you to receive some joy this morning. Amen? Yes. Let's receive joy from the Holy Spirit this morning. If you want to express that in a prayer or some other way, that's fine. That's fine. Let's, let's receive joy. The joy of the kingdom. It's on offer. It's our destiny. It's our heritage. It belongs to us. Joy in the Holy Spirit. Fullness of joy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs>